Alright. So, welcome guys to life training. This is the first official meeting that we're going to be having together without the staff. Wow. But yeah. So, uh, I'm just going to dive in because I'm super long-winded. And I'm going to try to get you, out, you guys out of here by 9.50ish. So, uh, we're just going to dive in. So, uh, today, for life training, we are going to be talking about technology. Uh, before we begin, though, uh, I'd like to... One disclaimer is is that uh, with life training, like a lot of the things that we're going to be talking about aren't really connected with each other. Like in theme training, we're kind of going through Ephesians, and uh, with evangelism training, you know, we're going through different things like how we can share our faith. But with life training, it's different because the the things that we talk about, like they're not really all that connected. I mean, there are certain themes that you can take through and, and kind of think through them, but like they're not really connected. So. The one thing that I don't want you guys to be to feel like is that like you walk away from the talk and you're like, oh, Gideon had some really good opinions and thoughts on technology. Like that's the opposite of what I want to happen. What I want to happen is I want you guys to feel like, yeah, I've learned some really, really good, really sweet stuff about like what the Bible has to say about how we even steward our time and how we use technology. Um, and so uh, if I ever like say my opinion, like I'm gonna put an asterisk by that, just my own personal opinion. But everything that I'll have is is something that I got from scripture and it's not out of context, hopefully. So but if you guys have questions, just come and talk to me about it. I'd love to talk to you guys with that. So with that said, we're gonna dive in. So we're talking about technology. Here we go. So technology is not a bad thing. Um, one thing I would say is like we're not gonna walk away from here and have a big bonfire and it's like, all right, we're gonna burn our phones, we're gonna burn our laptops, we're gonna get rid of all technology. We're just gonna become straight Amish. Like that's not gonna happen, right? Because technology is a good thing. It's a good thing. Uh, finding joy and taking pleasure in technology is not a bad thing. We were created to enjoy things. You know, if you guys, uh, how many of you were, on, were at conference this year? Uh, Christmas conference, New Year's conference. Joe Rigney talked quite a bit about that, right? Like we were made to enjoy the things of life because they're a pointer to God, right? But where it gets a little dicey is it's like, okay, where is your heart in that, right? Because if you're just liking technology and you're liking it just for the sake because, you know, that's what you do, well, then there's a problem there. So different things that college students like. I use Spotify. People who use Apple Music are like, yeah, Apple Music is better, and I don't really care. <laughs> this meme, like we send really good, cool memes to each other, right? This meme is actually really near and dear to my heart because this is like every single research paper I've ever written. Aliens. Uh, Bob Ross. They have every single episode of Bob Ross on Netflix. So if you guys have ever seen Bob Ross, hit him up. Uh, we can watch sporting events. This guy, he plays at Michigan State. So I and we can make podcasts. Shameless plug for uh, Two Cents of Benedict, uh, Two Cents of Benedict at Podomatic.com. We talk, you listen, you get smarter with friend Ben. Uh, yeah. So, so technology is a good thing, right? Technology is something that we can enjoy. But the flip side of that is uh, we can also, uh, it can also become a huge distraction for us. And so for those of you who take notes, what we mean by a distraction is this. So a distraction is an unhelpful thing that robs us of our joy. An unhelpful thing that robs us of our joy. And it can be anything, not just with technology, right? So another way of saying that is uh, a distraction is an unhelpful thing that prevents us from giving full attention to something else that's more important. And namely, our faith and our walk with God, or God. Um, so yeah, 
uh, there, is, there, is a, there is a flip side of that, right? Um, so today, we're gonna be talking about, okay, what are the realities of technology uh, within our own lives? Like, how do they play a part of our own lives? How should we think about technology? Oh, also, uh, sorry, next slide, please. Yeah, this is, a, this is a video that I found on YouTube that I thought was really funny that proves my point that te technology is awesome. Enjoy, please. This is an actual commercial. that I've seen. Okay, so, um, but how should we think about technology? So, sorry, I thought there was something else going on. Um, so, uh, there's not a specific passage in the Bible that specifically says, all right, this is how we think about technology, right? It's kind of a gray area because we've become more technologically advanced. That's the reality of it. Um, but there are certain things, and there are certain things from the Bible that we can take and say, okay, this applies to like how we should steward our time, how we should steward our resources. And it definitely applies to how we use technology, right? Um, and there's also a wide spectrum of people who use technology, right? Like some of us are absolute slaves to technology, right? So you got like your Nick Cromwell's, uh, or whatever his name is, in the re Stromwell in the resource office. The most techie guy I've ever seen in my life. He's the most interconnected person. And then you guys, you, know, you got guys like Ben Greener who literally lives under a rock. Legitimately lives on right. He has no idea what's going on. Um, but yeah, but uh, I found an article online. You would think that like online there'd be all sorts of studies that kind of point to okay, well like what is like the media usage for like college students? And literally, that was the hardest part of this talk is finding something that that talked about that. And I finally found something by James B. Stewart uh, from the New York Times, and it says that it's this is literally the title. It said. Facebook has 50 minutes of your time each day, and it wants more. And he goes on to say that, um, you know, like, there are like 1.5 billion users, 
in like in our country, just in America. So there's almost 400 million people. We each use, and then I didn't realize this. Instagram is also owned by Facebook, so they included that in there. You use that about 50 minutes a day. So if you do the math, right? If you do the math, you take that. Okay, so it's every single. It says 365 days a year. It averages out to be almost 13 days a year that we're just on Facebook and Instagram. And that's not even talking about like Netflix or video games or whatever else you guys use for technology. That's strictly for that. And I think that's a pointer to something that's going on even in our own hearts. You know? uh, so uh, four things that I think that kind of speaks to are our hearts are constantly restless and discontent. Um, we don't know how to value our time. Every single second is a gift from God. Every single like, second of your existence is a gift from God. And do we see that like that? Uh, we don't know how to use our time. And I feel very, very, very unqualified to talk about time management because I am not very good at it. And then the fourth thing is earthly comforts over promise but completely underdelivered. So before we dive in, um, I want to pray uh, just real quick so I don't forget about that. Um, so, Father, we're so thankful for this beautiful Sunday day, and we're, we're thankful to be down here, Lord, and we pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to what your spirit is saying about how we even use something like technology, Lord. And so we love you, and we pray that you just be with us the rest of this day, Lord, and help us to find rest in you. In your name we pray, amen. So, uh, we're going to be bouncing around a lot from, uh, or around the Bible a lot, but the, uh, the main verse that we're going to camp out in, you can go to the next is uh, Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. And this is a really, really, really common passage of Scripture. Uh, at Northwestern, we studied Hebrews uh, this whole last uh, semester. Um, and I think this really does a good job of speaking to, like, how should we use technology? So if you guys want to flip there, write this down. Uh, I'm actually going to read this one. So, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay, also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured for sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Okay? So we're actually going to focus on, you can go to the next slide. We're going to focus on the uh, first part of, uh, that's, yeah, that's verse 1. So uh, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely to us, and so my first point with this is this. I have sound effects too, but they're, they're not on the speakers, which I was kind of disappointed about, but that's okay. So we're talking about how can technology be a weight in our lives? How can it be something that prevents us from running and pursuing after Jesus even in our own lives, right? And then the second thing, how technology can be used as a sin, right? So. There are simple things that we can use technology for. And like I said, like technology can be used for our enjoyment, but it can also be taken too far. Okay, so point number one. Next slide, please. How technology can be a weight. Uh, first thing, uh, it hinders, if you want to write this down, uh, it hinders our ability to commune slash meditate with God. It hinders our ability to commune slash meditate with God. Um, and so what does that look like? Okay, well, uh, Larry talked about that on Friday. I think he did a really, really, really good job of summarizing and kind of fleshing that out. So I think it, practically speaking, it's not just our ability to get in the Word, 
but our ability to be saturated by and soak in and like being able to like process through and like, okay, what does this mean for me? How is this true for me today, right? And it's not just like practically getting in the word, it's also our prayer life too. Like our ability to communicate with God, you know? Uh, and this is something that I've been really convicted of too because honestly, if I was really honest with myself and I'm challenging you guys too with this, but like how has your prayer life been down here? Just like on a personal level, right? Like we pray all the time, like communally, but like honestly, my prayer life, like in and of myself, has been just about non-existent down here. And so, uh, the passage of scripture that I have with that is Psalm one one through four, and it's a lengthy passage of scripture. We looked at it on Friday. It's a pretty common one, but it's this idea that where are you planting yourself? You know, like if you're planting yourself somewhere other than God, like you're you're gonna wither and you're not gonna prosper. So it's it's blessed the man whose law or whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and on it he meditates day and night. And it's like a tree that is planted by streams of water, right? And it bears fruit in its season. So this whole idea is like if you're planted by the streams of water, which is the word of God, like you will always be able to prosper, regardless of where you are in life. Like you will always feel grounded and rooted that it's okay. We're going to be okay. Okay, the second point is uh, it hinders our ability to discern slash make life decisions, right? So this can even be just practical life decisions, right? Like how many of you, like this is everybody, this is me. How many times during the school year did we have homework to do, like there was some project, we had to go call somebody, and then we just ended up being like, you know what, I just wanna watch Friends. Like, I just wanna watch a couple of episodes of Friends, so I'm gonna go ahead and do that. Um, and that's a hindrance to like, no, like your schoolwork is a priority and you should probably get that done so you can do the best job that you can do on that, right? Uh, another example is uh, communicating and being intentional with family and friends. And also, by the way, if you ever feel like I'm going too fast, one of the most frustrating things I think in a talk is like you're trying to write something down, but the person's going too fast. So it's like if you have a really good passage of scripture, and it's like, oh, I forget, like I can't remember where that was, or like he said it too fast. Just like just ask me straight up. Like I'd rather this be a conversation than just me talking at you guys. So uh, practical life decisions, uh, communicating and being intentional with family and friends, right? Uh, like even in college, I live two and a half hours away. And like, I know I could do a better job at talking to my younger brother, right? Who's also in college as a freshman this last year, or with my mom, or with my dad, or with my other siblings. Uh, how about relationships? They can totally be a distraction. Like they can totally inhibit your ability to make decisions on that, right? Uh, how about like, Campus Outreach really likes to use the word process, but I think it's a really, really, really good word. And we see that thrown around all the time, but how about the ability to think through painful things that are going on in your life? You know, uh, to ability to process or think about like what is that? What does that mean in my life? Or like how does the gospel change that? Or like how do I work through that? You know. So uh, technology can inhibit our ability to discern when it comes to that. And then finally, the third point is technology can rob us of our faith in Christ. Technology can rob us of our faith in Christ. And where I get that from is Mark four eighteen through nineteen, and that is talking about the parable of the sower, which I. We studied, at Northwestern, we also studied Mark first semester, and it was really good. And so Mark 4, 18 through 19 says this. Uh, it's talking about the different seeds that are being sown uh, for context. And others are the ones sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful, right? So technology can totally do that. Technology can 
absolutely be something that chokes the life out of us and chokes our time. It's like, it's always taking up our time. We're always going to it, right? Like, I bet you guys have experienced this even at Project, right? Like, you're talking to somebody and you're having a really good conversation and all of a sudden you just reach into your pocket and kind of, you know, like, check the time and it's like, man, why am I even doing that? It makes no sense. Like, I'm having a really good conversation. I just think, you know, like, we're just predisposed. It's like a subconscious thing that's, it's, it's just there. Like, that's how we... That's like how we grew up. That's part of who we are, and I think that needs to be rewritten. And uh, so it's a great challenge. So, um, and also for the second point, I use Romans 12 too. I'm sorry. Uh, so for the hinders our ability to discern, uh, Romans 12 too is the verse there that I use. But I'm not going to read that for the sake of time. Okay. So next point: how technology can be used as a sin or in sin. Right. So this one is a little bit lengthier. Um, and I'll try to roll through this as quickly as possible and as thoroughly as possible. So here we go. First point, we use it to blatantly self-exalt or self-promote ourselves, right? So, and this is more geared towards social media, I would say, right? So this idea that you're going to seek to build your own little kingdom up. So I'm going to make Gideon look as good or as well, whatever the correct grammar is, as possible on social media. And honestly, like, with social media, if you think about it, like, it is the most passive way possible to make yourself essentially look good or, like, promote yourself, right? It is. It really is. And this looks differently for each and every one of us, like I said, because we're all on different spectrums. But I also think it kind of speaks to, like, what Anne and Nirmal were talking about, even in the gender talks and the different fears and the anxieties that we have as guys and girls. So general, broad, sweeping generalization here not limited to just guys do this and just girls do this, but bear with me. All right, so guys, right? I'm a guy, I feel qualified to talk about this. With guys, it could be Snapchatting stupid crap because you wanna put a documentary on yourself that says, yeah, my life's dope, I have what it takes, you know, I'm the man. And like, I think that can just be, like, they can just suck the life out of you or it's like, man, like, I'm not even living life anymore, I'm just trying to document it, you know? Trying to make myself look good. Okay, how about girls? Okay, I talked to several different girls, and this is what they told me because I am, in fact, not a girl. This is one way it could work, right? This is one way. And it could be the opposite, too. So, girls, do you ever find yourself on Instagram editing and deleting and reposting pictures and trying to create this beautiful stream of photos that points to what, I mean, what essentially is like a completely man-made, false, self-exalting portrayal of yourself, right? And I think with guys, this is, this is definitely true, too. But, uh, like, where are you with that? Like, I know, it's like I said, like, we're all in different places. But, and it's not just limited to these two things. And it's not just limited to how guys and how girls use that. But this is one common thing, I would say. And the, at the heart of that is social media is trying to create FOMO in others, right? Fear of missing out. And so where is, where, what is, what is that pointing to then, right? So we need to check our hearts with that. What is that pointing to? What are you trying to make your life about online, right? Uh, I mean, and on top of that, like, is it even satisfying after a while? Just trying to make yourself look so good, like, and it's not just limited to social media either, but that's the big one. Uh, so the, in the passage that I, that I found, and I think this is really, really, really good, guys. Um, so I would write this one down, but it's 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7. I'm actually going to read this. So it says, Humble yourselves before, or so, sorry, excuse me, let's just restart. Humble yourselves, therefore, 
under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So that second part of the verse is a pretty common one. We've heard that before. But honestly, like, how anxious do we get about trying to make ourselves look so good in front of other people, right? Like, I definitely am a people pleaser. And it is crushing to me when I find out that there's somebody that probably doesn't like me, if I was honest with you guys. And that kind of sucks. And it shouldn't be like that. But how much more so is it like that online, even, too? You know? So the challenge is, like, where is your heart with that? Check your heart. Where are you at with that? And just, and just be thinking about, like, man, am I trying to take control of my destiny with that? Uh, okay, second point. So how it's, uh, how it's a sin. We use this for self-medication, right? Use it for self-medication. So we're using that to make ourselves feel good within the stress and the chaos of life, right? And once again, this can be, you can run to anything to self-medicate. It's not just limited to technology. But when the stresses and the pressures of life arise, like what are you running to? Um, so usually this is something that we're familiar with that we can take control of. And for, I would say 90% of the time, it's something that we enjoy doing. And honestly, like if you feel like that you're enslaved in something that you're not enjoying doing, like I would talk to somebody about that um, because that's just absolutely about as unhealthy as you can get. So, uh, but yeah, so what does that look like? Okay, well with guys, like, this is me. Like, it's hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of video games, right? I've been addicted to video games before, like, and I didn't even know it. Like, I honestly did not even know it. Like, it took, <laughs> for those of you who don't know me, I'm a really competitive person, and it's to my fault sometimes. Um, like, I was even telling Harmon the other day, we were playing basketball against some guys that we didn't even know just over here. And we lost that last game. And I was legitimately like, oh my gosh, like what am I gonna do the rest of the night? We just lost. And it's like, it's a basketball game against people you don't even know. Like, who cares? <laughs> also, Jacob Woolley hit me in the face. And I was not happy about that. But uh, yeah, and so it took a fight. Uh, how many, uh, one of my best friends of all time, his name's Chris Compton. He went on project two years ago and he didn't come this year. Uh, we were playing NCAA football. <laughs> And uh, he was on Troll Patrol. He was trolling. And I wasn't having any of that. And like, I was addicted to this game because literally at one point during Christmas break two years ago, there were four straight, and this is, this, is, this is to my shame, and I'm telling you guys this because it's a real thing. There were like four nights in a row where I stayed up legitimately past 4.30 in the morning just playing this game. And I didn't even know it. Like, I completely lost track of time. I was like, oh my gosh. But I didn't think I had a problem until I got into a fight with this kid. Not like a fist fight, but like, I was just like, he hurt my feelings. And I got really, <laughs> I got really angry with him. So, okay. Next, uh, how many, okay, do we, and the flip side of that is uh, raise your hand if you have seen every single episode of Friends. Every single episode of Friends. Okay, keep your hands raised. Raise your hand if you have seen every single episode of Grey's Anatomy. Now keep your hands raised. Keep your hands raised. Keep, everybody, keep your hands raised. You can. It does it's not limited to just Grey's Anatomy. All right. I have not watched every single. I'm just keeping this up as an example. Um, <laughs> raise your hand if you've ever seen every single episode of The Office or Parks and Rec. Right. Yeah, there they go. There we go. So we spend hours. I mean, Netflix is another thing that I think is really addicting. Right. Honestly, and I'm not trying to call you guys out because I've been there too. Right. I have definitely binge watch on Netflix and honestly that's a thing just think about that binge watching 
you know, like that concept in and of itself is like, oh gosh, like what are we doing with our lives at that point? You know, and just watching eight hours straight of, I did this actually. I watched uh, five episodes back to back of Stranger Things, and they're like 50 minutes long. But it's a good show. So, if you haven't seen it, it's actually a really good show. So, I am def- I'm definitely in this boat with you guys, but honestly, like, like, this is something that we can also, like, we can be absolutely enslaving, right? And so, it goes back to how are we going to use our time? Um, and so, the passage that I found really helpful with this is Exodus 16, and that's kind of a lengthy passage. How are we doing on time, by the way? It's 9 30. for real? Wow, I'm doing way better than I thought it was. <laughs> um, so, uh, this is when uh, Israel uh, is just caught, they, they've just gotten free from Egypt, and they're out in the desert, and there's nowhere to go. Right? They're out in the desert, there's no food, there's no water, and they're in need. And in this context, they're grumbling about it. But in Exodus 16, it talks about how the Lord fed. Um, Israelites with quail and manna, and it wasn't just like food, like like they could go grab a certain amount, like 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 a proj meal is like you only take a certain amount. It's like no, you guys can take as much as you want until you are filled, right? And this idea that like the Lord is going to meet you where you're at, and He's not only going to like provide for you, but He's going to provide for you in abundance. And so there's two things with this though, like. So the Lord goes, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you all you need for one day, but don't store up any for yourselves because like, I'm going to provide for you. And what did the people do? Well, they took way more than they needed, and they stored it, and they, it says that the next day it stank and bred worms. It was all stinky and gross and icky, right? And then he, the, the second stipulation was, okay, on Saturday or whenever the Sabbath, I think Saturday is a Sabbath in Jewish culture. So it would have been on Friday. He's going to give you a double portion, right? So you're going to gather for yourself what you need on Friday. And we're going to give you the amount that you need on Saturday to eat until you are completely full, right? And so some of the people went out on Saturday on the Sabbath and were looking for food, which completely disobeyed God, right? And so the idea behind that is, is that those who didn't listen to the Lord didn't gain a thing. And so the point here is, you know, like, this thing that you're running to is self-medicate. And it could be so many different things besides technology. What is it gaining you? What are you gaining? What, what are you actually gaining by going to this thing, you know? We were not designed to go to earthly things like this. It goes back to what we were saying before. Earthly things completely overpromise, and then they underdeliver, severely underdeliver. Every single time. So, all right, uh, third point. Uh, in how can you sin? It's an idol in our lives, right? So, for those of you who like to take notes and like to write things down, uh, an idol is this: an idol is anything that takes the place of God in our lives. Anything that takes the place of God, right? And so you can even see this going back to the beginning of the Bible, right? Like for those of you who were at conference, once again, Joe Rigney talked about this. Uh, like the downfall of humanity in Genesis chapter three, right? It's the fall of man is that we loved ourselves more than we loved God. And that's both Adam and Eve, right? We wanted to be like God. We wanted to be our own gods, right? And we decided, no, we're, we're not going to listen to God. We're not going to be subjugated to God who gives us and sustains our lives and, like, we have complete intimacy with. But we're going to do our own thing, which is why we self-exalt ourselves. I think. A byproduct of that is, is how, we, how we use social media or how we get so prideful with ourselves to promote ourselves, you know? Um, and that was the downfall of humanity, is that, um, and also I think it speaks to this. I think idolatry points to that we love our own comfort 
more than we love God. We love our own comfort more than we love God, which is why we self-medicate, right? So we would rather be comfortable and we would rather know that we are the gods of our own lives and that we're building our own little kingdoms up rather than understanding that, you know, like God is the ultimate one that we can find ultimate joy and satisfaction in. And so that's why we self-medicate. And so the passage I have is Jeremiah 12, or 2, 12 through 13, which is a really common one. Uh, we've all heard that one. Most of us have. So it's this idea that, you know, um, for my people have committed two evils against me. They have hewn out cisterns that don't even work, right? These dirty, grimy, broken cisterns, and they're trying to hold water when there's this beautiful cistern. And it's like this imagery of, like, the Lord being a cistern for us that we can hold our water in. But we would rather do our own thing, right, and heal out these dirty, broken cisterns and try to make that work. And it's just not, it is absolutely not going to. It's 100% not going to work. It's 100% not satisfying. And uh, it, it's like that every single time, you know. You might enjoy doing something, like you might enjoy uh, running to idolatry for a while, and this is even in my own life, but the reality of it is, is at some point, that joy and that, that love that you have for that thing is going to run out because it's not, we were not meant to love the things in this world. That's the bottom line. So, next, next slide, please. So, the next thing that we're going to look at is the second verse in Hebrews 12, 1 3. It's where we're camped out at. Uh, and so, in verse 2, it says, uh, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, right? So, uh, the question is, why should we look to Jesus? Why should we do this? You know, and how can we do this? And, and what's the relevance of this? And I would say this. This second part of, of uh, well, it's Hebrews uh, verse, uh, verse 2. It's not the second part. It is essentially how the gospel meets us to relieve us of the weight and the sin that we allow ourselves to fall into with our use of technology and how we think about that and how we operate within the bounds of that. So I have three points with this for those of you who take notes. Uh, oh, Ben. Can you do me a favor, dude? So there's this, where the, no, wait, where are we at? Yeah, there we go. There's this phrase that Reed Jillick always tells me and Ben, and it goes like this. Would you rather sleep with the owls or fly with the eagles? And we'll flash that up. The second, second point, YOLO, you only live once. And third point, check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> All right, so we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about this real quick. How much? What are we doing for time? What are we doing for time? Thirty seconds. Thirty. Oh my gosh! I cannot believe I'm doing this well. <laughs> okay. Would you rather soar with the eagles or, or, or excuse me, sleep with the eagles or sleep without whatever it is? Um, basically, it's uh, it's like a it's like a, a picture and analogy of man. Would you rather be an owl or would you rather be an eagle? And I personally would rather be an eagle, and I hope you would too. And here's what that's pointing to: is that Jesus, right? You can write this down. This is that's not important. You write this down. Jesus is far better than any technology, anything that we run to, and it's not even close. It's not even close, right? So just think about it, like all the technologies that we run to, like specifically with Netflix and movies and things like that, like we run to those because we love seeing stories, right? I love, like one of the joys in my life actually is I love, I love going to the movies. I love it. But, and, and the reason why I do this is because I want to, I want to hear and I want to experience a good story, right? But with Jesus and with our faith, right, it's an actual real story that happened, right? 
It's not something that's, that's, that somebody made up. This actually happened. This is a real thing. And it's the greatest story ever told. Ever told. And, uh, you know, like, Jesus, within that, so within that, Jesus is more fulfilling. You write these, you write these, three, these three things on because this is what you see consistently throughout Scripture and consistently throughout the Gospel. So Jesus is more fulfilling. He gives us more joy. And he is in our stead. And what I mean by that, he abides in our pain with us. Okay? And so where do you see this? Where do you see this? Okay, so, sorry, guys. So, a couple of passages that I found really helpful with this are is, uh, Psalm 1611. This is one of the memory verses that we had at Bethlehem Baptist, by the way, for CEO Minneapolis. So, it says this. Uh, you make known to me the path. This, so, by the way, Psalm 1611. Sorry, guys. I went through that real quickly. Uh, it says this. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And then another verse that I found really, really, really helpful for this is uh, Psalm 63, 1 through 3. This is a really good one. This is one of my favorite, favorite passages in the Bible. It says, Oh God, you are my God, and earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So that's kind of like what Israel was going through before. Uh, so now I have looked up to you in your sanctuary beholding your power and glory. And then this is the most important part of that passage, right? So write this down. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So the love of God, that transformational love of God that we experience in Jesus while we are even yet sinners, while we are even yet sinners, Christ died for us. And because of that, that steadfast love that we experience every single day is literally better than the lives that we live. It's it's better, it's far more fulfilling, and it's far more satisfying. And it's not even close. And you even see Jesus articulate this in, in the gospel. So uh, two years ago, Northwestern studied the gospel of John. And seven different times throughout that gospel, he has these things called these I am statements, where he says, like, I am the bread of life. Or I am, uh, what, what does he say to the, the woman? I am the, the, the living water, I think. Uh, and that's pointing to, you know, like Jesus is saying, like, come to me. You know, because I will give you rest, and I, he who eats me will never, will never, uh, drinks me will never thirst, and that he who eats me will never be hungry again, I'm pretty sure. But the whole point of there is, like, Jesus is saying, like, look, I am the ultimate source of life, and in me you can experience fullness of joy. And outside of that, like, when we run to things like technology, and the different ways that we use that, it's not, it's not satisfying. The whole point of that is, is he's pointing to himself. Um, and so I have other passages of scripture with that too that really speak to that. And so if you guys have any questions about that, or if it's not very clear, and I hope this is I hope all of this is making sense to you. Just come and talk to me, and I'd love to I'd love to talk to you about. It. I'd love to show you where I'm getting this. So, all right, second point, uh, YOLO. So you only live once, right? So there's this idea that you only live once, so that we're going to take our time, we're going to live for ourselves, and we're not going to think about anything else but maximizing our own lives or our own joy on our own time, and we're marching to the beat of our own drum, you know? I would say that's the cultural version of YOLO, right? But when you read the Bible, it makes it very, very, very clear that YOLO, in a Christian sense, is you only have one life, and there's a limited amount of time, so we want to maximize that, not for ourselves, but for others, you know? That's when, like, that, that's the transformation that occurs, right? When you have Jesus in your life, and when you, when you, when you experience that love, it's, uh, Matt Reagan puts it like, he puts it like this, for those of you who were at conference two years ago, and I'm really sorry if you guys are not following with what I'm saying, but 
He said it's like this idea of a chocolate fountain, right? Like once you experience the love of God in your life, it has nowhere to go but fill you up, and then it has nowhere to go but cascade over into other people. So you're living your life for other people. Um, so we are called to live for something far greater than merely living for ourselves and serving ourselves. Um, and really what I'm trying to get at is we need to renew the way that we think about time and the way that we operate within our time. So, uh, and I would say this, our main goal and our main purpose as believers is to leverage our own lives. And you, you should write this down. You should write this down. I think this is the mission of the believer right here. To leverage our lives for the sake of Christ and for the sake of gospel. If you truly believe that Jesus is worth living for, that's your mission. And you see that all over the Bible. So, all right, Gideon, like, uh, it's uh, October, and I have two midterms, and I got to write a couple of papers, and it's like, you busy? Are you really busy? And this is going to happen throughout the school year. Like, we're going to think we're so busy all the time. And even that project, like, it's this idea, like, we're so busy all the time. There's all these things going on. But let me tell you something right now. What you see in Scripture is this, that we have exactly the right amount of time to do what God wants us to do, period. So how will you use your time? How will you use your time? You can even see this uh, in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, right? This is something that we went through. It's for, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works that no one may boast. And then the second part of that is this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So this is this idea that, you know, the Lord prepared us to go out and do these good works, and he has a time and a place for that. There's a whole chapter in Ecclesiastes. There's a whole section. Uh, I think it's Ecclesiastes 3 where it says that there's a time to be born and a time to die, a time to build a house and a time to, you know, tear it down or however it goes. But the whole point of that is saying, like, there is an appointed time for everything. There's an appointed time for men to die, and there's an appointed time for men to live. And you only have so much time. Which is my second point. Every single second of your existence, every single second that you were alive on planet Earth right now is a gift from God. And the reality of that is, is we have no idea. And we've all heard this before, right? We have no idea how, how long we have left. So the question is, once again, so how will you use your time? How will you use it? And I'm telling you guys right now, and like I'm even convicted of this too, is that when we run to technology, we use all of this time, we use 13 days out of our year just on social media. I'm telling you right now, that is not worth it. 100% not worth it. Especially when we're going to go back to campuses, right? And there's going to be people who don't know the gospel. Like, like especially at Northwestern, like, there's all these people that think they have it together. And you could be, like, trying to invest in them. But there's a, there's a choice on whether or not you want to live in your own comfort. And I see this at Northwest, and this is, my, this is kind of like my whole uh, first semester last year. It's like, do I want to live for my own comfort because I want because I'm tired? Or do I want to go invest in others, right? And it's really convicting. So how are you going to use your time? So practical way how to do this. Um, how are you doing on time? Oh, gosh. All right, we're going to cut it close here. Um, all right, so there's an analogy that Jake Klimek, Jake Klimek uh, did life training two years ago, and I was there, and I found this analogy really helpful. So uh, time management, right? You have this boss or vase, boss, or whatever, however you pronounce that, right? There's this vase, and you have big rocks, you have medium-sized pebbles, and you have sand, right? So the big rocks would be things that are, like, really important in your life. 
medium-sized pebbles are like, you know, like they're kind of, like they're important, but they're not like, I have to get this done during the day. And then like the sand is just like things that you do that are really important, they're just fillers, you know, which I would say most of the way we use technology is sand. But that's just me. Um, and so how are you, if you want to fill this vase completely without overfilling it or underfilling it, how are you going to do this? Like you're not going to put the sand in first. You're not going to put the medium-sized pebbles in first. What are you going to do? You're going to go to the big rocks and you say, okay, these are the things in my life right now, like schoolwork and like I would even say investing in others back at your campuses, right? Uh, being involved in a ministry. Uh, those are big rocks in your life that you should prioritize, right? You should put in first. And then medium-sized rocks are, I mean, whatever you do with your life. Um, I mean, for me, like I play sports or I enjoy playing sports. But they're not super important. They're not the most important thing in my life. So I would say those are medium-sized rocks. And this is all kind of subjective at this point. But what does that look like in your life? And then sand, that's just filler, right? That's things that you do uh, you know, on your downtime if you really don't have, honestly, anything else to do, which is never. There's always something better to do. Um, and so I hope that's helpful. I know that, like, for me, like, when it comes to time management, that was really helpful for me. Um, so... How are we gonna live our lives? How, how does the Bible speak about that? It's more of others, less of ourselves. And that doesn't mean you have to go and be a martyr for the cause, like not everybody is, is called to go and die. But rather, everybody is called to die little deaths over the day, for sure. So putting others' joy over our own comfort and pride. And you see this in Philippians 2, 3 through 4, which is like Lucas Cheka, it's one of his favorite verses ever. Um, and it's a good verse, but also in, in Mark 8, 34 to 36. And uh, this is a really important verse for me because I think in eighth grade is when I really started to, is when I really became a believer, and it was because of this verse. And I'm going to read it for you right now. And calling to the crowd to him with his disciples, this is Jesus talking, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world for his soul? So what does it gain? What does it gain? You should live your lives for others. You should live your lives for the sake of the gospel. And you should take up your cross daily. And it's dying little deaths every single day. It's not just, I'm going to go over to the Middle East and I'm going to go get killed. And that's, that's what everybody should do. It's like, maybe. Maybe if that's what God wants for you in your life. But yeah. All right, third point. I'm going to fly through this one. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Going back to Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, the way that you, the whole point of what I'm trying to say is the way that you use technology is honestly a personal conviction. There's not anything in the Bible that specifically says this is how you operate within the bounds of your technological uses. But I would say this, there is a clear calling to use our lives sacrificially rather than being the masters, trying to be the masters of our own destiny. And when you say, when, you, when, you, when you're like, you know what? I don't want to be my own master. That's, that's when you start to gain. Um, and it's so worth it. So in Hebrews, in Hebrews 12, too, it says, who for the, this is Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. So looking towards Jesus, like, like he died on the cross for us, but there was also joy in that. One, to experience fellowship with the Father again, but two, like he knew that we were going to be, that we were going to be with him one day, and that's joyous, and that's our God. Like, this is our God. He loves us so much. Uh, that he would die on the cross for us even in our own sin. And to pursue that and to say, I want to make time for that. And I want that to be something that changes the way I use my time. 
is completely 110% worth it. 100% worth it. So circling back, why should we look to Jesus? Because he took joy in us. Like He took joy in dying for us, and then our lives are transformed on top of that. There's intense joy, and that's why we should look to Jesus. And this is our God. So that's all I got. I hope that, was, I hope that made sense. I hope that was coherent. Um, but I do have reflection questions. Uh, I know that those are helpful for me. And so uh, how is technology in your own walk with God? What is that like? Uh, is it a hindrance, or does it help you run towards Jesus? How do you use technology? Do you use it to exalt yourself? Do you use it to self-medicate? Do you use it as an idol, subtly? And then third, if you're honest with yourself, if you're really, really, really honest with yourself, is the way that you use your time honestly 100% really worth it? So that's all I got. Uh, I hope, what time has it been? 50. Yes. I'm so happy with myself. I thought for sure I was going to go off. But anyways, that's all I got, guys. So here's Harmon with some announcements. Thanks for listening to me, and love you all. Sorry, I'm going to pray this real quick. So, uh, God, we're just thankful for this day once again. And we're thankful that uh, you've put your words into our hearts and that you've given us the spirit to, to try to understand these things. Like it talks about in Ephesians, Lord. And we pray that, um, you know, as we go forth throughout the day, that we will be thinking about, you know, like how can we use our time better? And how can we use and lessen, lessen ourselves and think more for others, Lord? And so we love you, and we pray that you would give us this day of rest to enjoy you, God, and so what, and what you've been doing in our lives. So all these things we pray in your name. Amen. And then can I do one announcement real quick? Okay, so this is the most important announcement of the year. Uh, for those of you who were here last year, Rio's is happening again. So get excited. And for those of you who don't know what Rio's is, uh, we'll fill you in later. But... The, tape, the, sorry, the date is to be determined. And then also, uh, Jess tweeting, Jessica is uh, heading up a Pelicans game, so also get excited for that. So those two things are on the horizon. They're going to happen. But, yeah, we'll give you more information as we go. But they're happening, so get excited. Is there a problem? What? Rio's, Rio's is a Brazilian steakhouse oh. uh, that we yeah. go to. It's all-you-can-eat meat and stuff like that. Usually, like, pretty expensive, but we go as a big group, so we get a good deal. Um, just a few other announcements. Uh, today, you'll have some time in church, um, worship tonight, yelling.